Evening, good morning, good afternoon for those who are listening to the replay or for those who are listening for the first time. Welcome to She Said What. Uh, my name is Alan M. Newman Jr. and welcome to season two. If you was a part last year, you know it was dope. We had amazing content. We had amazing guests. As you know, for She Said What, this gives our sisters the opportunity to talk about big topics that deal with them specifically where our men can actually listen, listen in and get words of wisdom and nuggets on tough topics that we need to address in society today. Um, also, make sure that if you are watching us, make sure you go and subscribe to us on He Said What Network on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscription button, and share it. Let your friends know. Looking forward to having you here every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I have a special guest, lovely guest, Miss Candy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing on this Wednesday? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm I'm doing well. It's Wednesday. I live in Texas, so I don't know if it's going to freeze tomorrow <laughs> or we need to wear shorts again like we did on Christmas. So <laughs> I'm just riding the rave of life like everybody else right now. Exactly, exactly. Once again, I want to thank you. Thank you for taking the time out to be with us on the show. Um, for everyone who's listening for the first time, of course, you know, last year we had set topics that we spoke with on a weekly basis. Um, this year, we got a spin on it. Um, our special guests have a chance to pick topics um, prior to the show, and then we're going to go through that. It's just going to be a kind of um, organic conversation. Um, you can definitely post your questions, your feedback in the comics so that we can see and interact with you as well. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing the information and dialogue that we're going to have. Um, and Candy, we're going to start off um, right off the bat. We're going to talk about upbringing within the household. Um, from your personal experience, especially being a Black woman in today's society, um, how do you feel like your upbringing shaped you to become the woman that you are today? Or even when you were younger, how it shaped you to reach the goals and aspirations that you had? I think it was so important. I mean, I, I'm I'm so big. Like I argue with my mom now, and I'm like, "Listen, the '70s are over. We're we're not doing it that way anymore." But I am I am forever grateful for the lessons that I learned at home, the discipline, the structure that was provided. Um, you know, my parents are baby like on that late end of baby boomers but not really baby boomers but they're second they're the last set of kids so my grandparents were older by the time my parents were coming up but the teachings right so i'm I'm a product of old school old school Mm -hmm. and then that group that they decided that they were gonna go get it in society so my parents were able to make sure we were introduced to a variety of culture, right? A lot of things from a culture perspective, but a reminder, you're black. At the same time, don't play with me. My mama was from the Nucky You Buck era. So <laughs> it, it's just it's just different things that I can be so appreciative of because, you know, my parents fostered education. They invested in what we wanted or needed to do. They taught us about being team players. So just when I come out into the workforce, I bring a different level because those things were taught and nurtured in my home. You know, my parents were were there. You know, if we were playing soccer, kickball, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They were present. So I'm just forever grateful for some of those things 
But my parents also gave us enough room to challenge things. So those things are also important because it's as though they're strict. And if you come out mm-hmm. of an African-American household, sometimes our parents don't have boundaries. At all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know they they think they get they think you get to heaven through them. They'll teach you about <laughs> church, but they'll you know they'll they'll judge you for not going to church. Like I don't have to go through you to get to mm-hmm. heaven. Like me exactly. and God have a relationship. But my parents weren't those. Do what I said because I said so. People, if we challenge things early, um, in life, you know, depending on what it was, we may have had a problem. Mm-hmm. But they were okay with talking to us, teaching us, um, teaching us how to advocate for ourselves and have voices. Mm-hmm. So I think all of those things are important when you're raising a child and those things show up. So if you did a good job, it shows up. And mm-hmm. if you did a not so good job with your kids, that shows up as well. Exactly. Exactly. And and you you make valid points because I like the fact that you did mention you had both of your parents in the household. We do know we live in a time frame where there is a lot of single parents that are out now um, more than when we was coming up. And I know that can kind of change the dynamics and interactions that we have. Um, Do you feel with today's society, is our black boys and girls having an, what's the, a legitimate shot with their upbringing to be successful? Um, cause, and for those, for my single parents that are listening, I'm definitely, um, not coming for you guys. Um, cause I have friends who are very successful on raising their kids by themselves. Um, but do you feel like it gives you a disadvantage? Um, when you're being up, um, brought up in a single parent home, do you think there's really a difference for today's generation? Then you would have looked at it at your generation coming up. Um, just from experience of seeing your friends who did come up in single parent homes compared to today's society coming up in single parent homes. So I was very fortunate and and I understand that, especially like as a curator and educator, mm-hmm. um, I understand how fortunate I was to grow up for the most part. You know, my parents did divorce, but for mm-hmm. the most part, my foundation was rooted in my parents being together. Um, I didn't grow up with friends that had single parent households, but I did witness it in family. And I also saw my aunt like be resilient. So I think that parents are important because no matter what it is that one parent does, a kid misses that other parent. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't think that, you know, from watching for me personally watching, I feel like my aunt was like superwoman. Like I saw Mm -hmm. her achieve things at the highest level because I saw mm-hmm. her hustle. Yeah. Um, but as an educator in the classroom, I feel like kids are being cheated because parents can't even coexist as co-parents. Mm-hmm. So I don't think parents necessarily have to be in the home together, but parents have to have a working relationship to give those kids those advantages because you just take away a layer of childhood trauma. You take away a layer of disappointment when both parents have the ability to be present. So I think kids can function, you know, and have opportunities. But if mom has money and dad has money and that money comes together, however it comes together, mm-hmm. then that's something extra that that child gets a chance to do. If dad and mom show up at the soccer game or the football game on Saturday, that kid is like, yeah, my mom and my dad are here or my mom and my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom. Kids need that tribe. 
um, mm -hmm. from from back in the day that people talk about the village. They need the the TTs and they need uncle mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. need all of these people to help foster what it is that they need. Mm -hmm. And um, as a friend of those kids, I have friends now that are single parents. You know, every dollar that I can send, every football game that I can get to, I just think it helps the kid be a little bit more rounded when they have the support, when mm -hmm. they know dad is coming, when they know mom is coming, when you know where dad and mom, where they are, mm -hmm. you know, just to know where mom is, it's a level of comfort. So I would say to our culture, as you say, not to come for us, we've got to do a better job of understanding each other and understanding that these conversations are to teach, mm -hmm. to teach. And so as a woman, if we're going into a situation Sometimes I, I need women to separate what he did to you and what he's going to be for his kids. Yeah. Um, I think those are important. And, and I speak from a position of an educator. Mm -hmm. When I'm watching babies, you like, your daughters need their dad. You know, mm -hmm. if he's going to be available, yeah, I know he cheated on you. But sis, you got to put that behind you. Mm -hmm. you you've got to allow him to show up for his kids because his kids need him to show up. And dad, you know, she wants her child support. It's your kid, you know, <laughs> go get a job and pay your child support, you know, mm -hmm. understand that you can't, you can't tell her you're picking up your kids at six and don't show up that, that she has to deal with that hurt. So mm -hmm. I just think it's important that we as a community understand we're the, the blame game doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We're not blaming you. We're not judging you. We're just telling you from experience. We're telling you from, from numbers that if you can do it together, in the house together or apart, your mm -hmm. kids can get that foundation. Then we have more Kamala Harris's and Stacey Abrams and Oprah mm -hmm. Winfrey's. We have an opportunity to set our kids up for success. Facts, facts. And it's I kind of want to touch on the part where you were saying about how dads, it's amazing. I don't think people realize how important it is to have that father figure and that mother figure, even if you're not in the same house, they're in your child's life. Um, I remember I had a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago when we were talking. Actually, it was my mom. We were talking. We were reminiscing on my dad. And we were talking about he, when I hit 15, when I hit that age where, as the old people would say, you're feeling yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that's when he stepped in and was like, JR, this, this is what we're not going to do. This is how you're supposed to carry yourself into adulthood as a man, as a black man. And I think sometimes we as black men don't realize how your our kids need that male figure that steps in and brings pr brings that presentation out there we're used to saying well we're always under mom mom always nurtures us but let's be realistic especially with boys as we get older nine times out of ten especially with black boys we're going to end up being taller than our mom so i've seen with like single moms they don't want to have that fight like you taller than me. I'm not about to sit here and argue with you to tell you you need to do this, you need to behave, you need to do that. So when I started feeling myself and got my little height, I'm 6'4 now. But at that time, I was 6'1". My dad was 6'1". And my dad was good. So when I started feeling myself, he was coming in the house like, that's not, we gonna, that's not what we're doing. You're not paying no bills. You're not, that's not what we're doing. And I think sometimes in our Black households, when it's a single parent there, the child isn't getting, you're getting one thing, but not the other thing, if I if I can kind of say it that way. Um, and also with my dad, he showed a soft side. I feel like in mm. today's generation, Black young men don't know how to handle 
being being fragile or being open with your emotions um, because you don't have that representation in the house um, of that you see that. And mm-hmm. I know with my dad, that was a big thing. It was nothing for him to cry in front of us. It was nothing for him wow. to tell us how he felt. Um, if When you saw his demeanor, you always thought, oh, my God, Mr. Newman's like this mean guy. And then when he knows you and you get behind, you're like, wow, Mr. Newman's a real softy. Like, he would give you the shirt off his back. Um, he he was loyal um, to death, basically. And he literally showed us how you can be a black man, you can cry. You can let your wife know you love them. You can let your kids know you love them. It, and I think it's the little intricate things that you don't realize that you need until as you get older and you realize there's a hole there. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I know as a young kid, it was nothing. My dad was a man of few words, but it was not, I could be in my room playing video games. This man, I kid you not, used to, it used to weird me out. He would come in, sit on the bed, just sit there. Don't say nothing. Watch what I'm doing. Sit there about 20, 30 minutes, get up, pat me on my head. I love you, boy. And walk out. And you don't realize how that sticks with you and stays with you because you have a figure that's willing to tell you, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm sorry for doing this. I apologize for making this mistake. And I feel like sometimes in today's generation, our black boys and girls don't see that. And it works just for black, black girls, for our young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it can really change your outlook when you have a male figure, your father telling you that I love you. You're my princess. This is what I want you to be. Don't do this. Don't do that. Move in this way. So it's very interesting when you look at upbringing in the household, how very important it is not just have to have the mom um, in oh, yeah. the household, but have the dad in the household. And like you said, even if you guys end up splitting up, you get a divorce, you break up, don't damage the child to get back at the other person. And I really feel like that's one of the biggest challenges I see in the black households. It's I got to prove this sucker wrong because he did me mm-hmm. wrong. Da, 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 da. And like you're damaging the child. And then later in life, this child has these I- issues that they never got fixed because of what they saw, what they went through in the house. I had put a post up today on Facebook and I had said, make sure you are loving your children correctly for when they are old enough to interact with other people. Because if I don't know how to be loved correctly, how am I going to love somebody else correctly, their son or their daughter correctly when I'm an adult? Because I don't know, because I'm bruised, broken and battered and don't know how to put the pieces together. You got to preach. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's it's, it's very important um, when, especially when it comes to our black households, because we have been taught we're telling our black women they're too masculine. We're telling our boys they're too feminine. We're, we're sitting here telling them what not to do, not realizing we all are from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wrong with being, being, I ain't saying strong black woman, nothing wrong with you being tough when you have to sit there and kind of set the standard on something. For black men, nothing wrong with being emotional. Just don't allow your emotions to take over you and make you make um, incorrect decisions when it comes to it. So it's, it's very, very, very important. I think when it comes to the upbringing in the household that you have both sides. And I know somebody could be watching right now saying, well, me and my baby daddy don't get along. Well, you know what? You don't have no brothers that you trust. Thank you. Where's your uncle? Where's your granddaddy? Where's, you know, where's your dad? Where's that kid's granddad? Like you hit on important. That's why I go back to the old saying of a village. Sometimes dad can't be there. Sometimes mom can't be there. Mm-hmm. But exactly what you said, right? 
you grew up with your dad. Like when those informative years were necessary, here comes exactly. dad teaching you how to be a man. For mm-hmm. me as a woman, um, I was, like I said, I was really blessed when I look at it. And I don't take that for granted. I've had conversations before where people were offended. Like, oh, you think you better than no. I was blessed. Mm-hmm. I was blessed to have my parents together for as long as I did. But I also had my mom's, my maternal parent, grandparent, my maternal side, my aunt and uncle have been there every step of the way. You know, I haven't graduated from high school or college and they not showed up or a birthday party. You know, I had a birthday mm-hmm. party here a few months ago. My aunt and my uncle, like they're coming. Mm-hmm. Like we are really big on support. My uncles, um, they're coming. My dad, even still, if I call my dad right now, he's coming. So mm-hmm. as a as a young woman, I'm going to handle myself differently with a man because I got a daddy. And I tell men that I got a daddy. There's certain things that you can't tell me. Mm-hmm. There's certain things, like you said, you know what quality time looks like because your dad came in that room and he sat on that bed. He was mm-hmm. spending time with you. He was observing you. There was no words. There mm-hmm. wasn't a need for words. He was watching you in your element. So mm-hmm. my dad coached me in sports. I spent a lot of time with my father. So you can't tell me anything. And one of the things that he says is, you better make sure you find a man that can afford you the type of lifestyle that I did. <laughs> It's a joke for him. Like my dad, my dad thinks everything is funny. Everything is is like these, you know, facetious games for him. Like that's kind of his. Everything is 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 comical for him. And I tell people though, my sister and I, we're we're a different breed of woman because I, I'm coming back for you. Yes, as you said, I'm very strong. I'm very aggressive. I come from very assertive women. You know, when my brother was struggling, my mom called me in college and was like, "I'm about to pistol whip him." And I was like, you're, you're, you're going to do what? I'm about to whip him. I'm about to pistol whip him. And she talks very proper. And But she was for real. And he knew she was for real. Because she was at this point of, oh, you trying to flex? You think it's a game? We not going to do that. So it takes strong women. But those men have to show up too to say, uh-uh, uh-uh. You're going to be a man. You need to cut the grass. You need to know how to change a tire. You need to know how to talk to this woman Mm -hmm. or provide for this woman. Those Mm -hmm. things make a difference. And as a woman who's been blessed enough to find a man now who, like you, grew up with his father in his formative years, it's a different. Some days are tough. Some (laughs) days are tough. It's a whole. It's, it's a whole a different ball game. Different flex. It's a it's whole, a whole different di- flex. It's a, and it's a flex, right? For y'all, it's a real flex because mm-hmm. one thing about him is he's a man. He is a man amongst men and he requires his respect. He carries himself like a man, but he also acts as a man. So I would just tell anybody, you know, just be mindful of that. If you can be there for your son, show up. Mm-hmm. You're, if you can be there for your kids, be present. And moms, understand, don't cheat your kids of those opportunities and those experiences. They need them. Exactly. Exactly. Because whatever applications that they are able to apply in their kids' lives, eventually it's going to be needed. Um, and it's so funny because you're talking about um, the way your dad was, and it actually makes me chuckle because that's how he was with my sister. Like, literally, he was like, any dude who's about to deal with you got to understand the expectations that have already put been put here at the table for the way I handled you. Even when it came to um, when I started dating, like, he'll sit there out the blue. We're talking. All right, JR, you need to do this when you start dating. When you start dealing with somebody's daughter, this is how you do And I'm like looking like, well, OK. Then when I started dating, it was like. 
oh, this is why you were saying, hey, when you sit there and go to her house, you walk to her car, you don't honk to have her come outside the house. You go to the house, you open the door, you open the car door, the restaurant you go to, you sit there, you pull her chair out, you do all this stuff. And I'm like, now it clicks. But it's also because I saw him do that with my mom. We have a joke right now with my mom. If we're hanging out with her and we're going to a restaurant or something, this sister, if she's ahead of you, she will stop at that door. And we tease her all the time. I'm talking about, ma'am, ma'am, Alan Newman Sr. not here for you. And she's talking about, uh-uh, nope. Your father has set and ingrained in me when I'm with you and I'm at this door, I don't touch no door. I don't touch the chair. And so people, it's funny because people look at it as weird, but don't realize in the black community, we think it's weird because we have not seen that example mm-hmm. happen. And I think you need, uh, Black people have to understand, we need to normalize those things being done because it's not unusual. And I remember uh, the first young lady I dated, she was vastly confused at the fact that I would open the car door for her and open the door into the restaurant and let the seat out. And, and she didn't, she even told me um, years later, she did not know how to accept that because she never dealt with someone who handled her that way. And people don't realize sometimes people's response to stuff is because they're not used to something. Mm-hmm. Being, it's not, it's a, it's a human reaction. To, well, I've never been here. This is uncharted territory. So I don't know how to handle the fact that you're literally letting me be a young lady. You're letting me be soft. You're treating me like, not that I'm the weaker vessel, but you're treating me with respect and honor. And I think in our generation, that's sometimes the disconnect. Because mm-hmm. you don't see that in the household, especially if you don't have that tribe that is around there to kind of lead and guide you and help you in that direction. But that goes back to um, I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but no, I would I would teach people. I tell people all the time with relationships, you have to teach people how to treat you. Right. Um, there are a lot of things that are learned, but there are some men who do not do that. And I am like your mom. Uh, one of the one of the you know, I've dated dudes that that's all they did so if this go around i i've had to kind of show him like i'm like your mom i'm standing at the door looking like where you at (laughs) and in my family you know there's not gonna be a man in my family i remember my brother probably being about five years old he's younger than me and my mom was my parents were teaching him how to hold the door so for me you know i dated a man that even opened the car door like and i have a friend that his wife when he married this girl i don't think she could handle that as you said because she wasn't used to being treated like a queen i dated a guy that literally would open the car door close my car door put my seatbelt on like the whole nine because that's what his father had taught him that's how his father treated his mother so it's a in our communities if you haven't seen your dad open the door my dad opens the door when we're coming through he's going to grab the door because that's Mm -hmm. what a that's a man showing you Mm -hmm. you know you have an opportunity to go in and he's also behind you because he's supposed mm-hmm. to have your back. So exactly. there's a lot of lessons that people don't understand that goes into this. And when you watch other cultures, when you're out and about, they do that. Mm-hmm. They pull the chairs out. They mm-hmm. allow their women to sit down. So ladies, if, if you have a man that's doing that for you, be grateful. He was raised right. He was that raised part, right. That part. That part. <laughs> and and even for um, the single parents out there, they're like, oh, well, I don't have that example. I mean, you can you can show them. Like I said, my mom has no problem when she think I'm feeling myself. Sir, get to this door. Don't don't act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't know. You can you can start them at a like you said, your brother at five at a young age, getting them into that habit because then it becomes second nature, and they don't mm-hmm. even realize they do it. They just do it automatically because that's how they've been raised. 
And I'm not gonna lie, fellas, when you listen that are listening, the sisters, when they see you that intentional with certain stuff, they pay attention. Like I know everyone's always, and I don't want to get ahead because we are gonna talk about love and relationship, but <laughs> after the commercial break, but literally. As much as we live in a society where we're looking at the social norms of what is expected in dating and relationships, I've learned that it is truly the little things that our Black women look at and appreciate. And when you understand that, you won't spend so much time trying to match up with other people with what they're doing. Because literally, if you're intentional, you're sitting here letting her know, I'm taking you out this day. I just need you dressed and ready to go. I need you to look nice. This is what's co- what we're going to do. I got everything to I don't think people understand how that takes away a lot of stress from black women for having to think about something or, oh, if we're going on a date, I got to think about what's going to happen this way. Or what if this happens? Because you have a guy who already has shown that he can take the lead and Mm -hmm. set you up for a amazing date, an amazing interaction where you just got a chance to just be you. You were able to literally, I know a friend of mine said she rarely gets a chance to let her hair down. She always feels like she has to have, um, a barrier up just right. to be careful. And I don't think um, we as Black men fully understand that a lot of our sisters have this barrier and we don't understand what the barrier is, but it's also because we're not taking the time to learn how we can unpack those barriers to create a safe space, so to speak, for you guys when it comes to interacting with us. Um, but I do, I do not want to jump. I do not want to jump ahead. Um, <laughs> you're, you're hitting it perfect. Like, I, look, I'm holding it in. I'm programming in my brain like, that was a great point. Let's talk to this. <laughs> like you are, you, I mean, but you are so right. Like, and, and I go back to one of the things that I'm learning to try to be intentional with, with our culture is if you, you see a clip of me and I, and look, I will apologize. I try to be politically correct because we need to hear each other. And in order to do that, I've learned, because again, I come from that old school because black people are judgy. We are judgy, 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 and and we will make people, you know, I've had to learn, like, unlearn, you will make people feel like crap, because I find myself doing that, but that's what I learned. Like, my, I come from those people that, you know, they, they zoom in, like, they're like birds flying in on one person if they did something wrong, and in my family, the whole family function, they'll spend time talking to one person, and now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's not my business. Exactly. Oh, no, I'm just sharing with you what I've learned. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my new thing. Do it how you choose to do it. But what I've learned is maybe we should look at it was being done this way for a reason, because that's all they knew. And um, one of the the main points for this conversation is as a culture, we need to understand the generation before us, they had learned how to make it. Okay. But prior to that, our ancestors didn't have time to coddle. They didn't have time to love. They were in a situation where they were simply trying to survive. We're trying to thrive. So now that we're trying to thrive within our culture, when we're raising our kids, you think about, okay, if I allow my children's father to show up and co-parent and we can get along, think about that as your kid's ability to thrive, your kid's ability to create generational wealth for their kids. Your ability to work together and pull your resources together. We just got to approach it differently. We're not judging you. We're just giving exactly. you some solutions to, to thrive in your life. Exactly. Exactly. Now we're going to um, cut to our quick commercial break. I'm enjoying the dialogue. Um, we do have a question that's been on the screen, but when we come back from our break, we will answer this question and then we will go to our next topic here on She Said What? 
Source that celebrates New Jersey hip hop worldwide. Facts. Please subscribe to Heritage Hip Hop on social media. That is Heritage Hip Hop on social media. What up, y'all, man? It's your boy Do It All, Do Pray Kelly, right here on Heritage Hip Hop, man. Look, man, let me tell you something. Make sure you support Heritage Hip Hop because without these brothers bringing you hip hop, we're not going to stay informed, man, the way that we need to stay informed, man. And they're not just giving you hip-hop, man. They're giving you the heritage of hip-hop right here, man. Yo, Kareem, I see you. Heritage hip-hop, man. Let's do it. It ain't nothing like heritage hip-hop. You are tuned into the He Said What Network with your boy, RG. I'm your guy, Alan M. Newman Jr. Well, Mike. With your girl, Matthew. With your girls, simply breathe. Keep it locked. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. The He Said What Network. Where we are bridging the gap between black and Latinx men and women. Check us out. Hey guys, we are back. Welcome back to She Said What. Of course, today has been amazing for our first episode of the new year. I am live today with Candy. We just had an amazing dialogue um, in regards to kind of getting into relationships, but we were talking about upbringing in the household. But before we go further, we had a question. And the question was, when it comes to dating as a single mother, how can we get men to understand the importance of consistency like what we saw growing up? Candy, I'll let you go ahead and uh, put your little taste and spin on this one. Oh, okay. So y'all, I gave y'all a professional version of me. But sis, <laughs> let me tell y'all something. Consistency starts with you. Okay? So when I was dating, you got 24 to 72 hours to call me back or I'm going to block you. Okay? You show people consistency by what they show you in the beginning. If they don't show you that they're going to be consistent in day one, you got to cut them off. So as I tell people all the time, the only people who disappear for three days are crackheads. <laughs> like there's, there's no, I, I can't understand it. You know, I don't do the ghost me come back. And I feel like that's what we do a lot of in our community as women. Women are so willing to tolerate the BS to begin with. So if you cut the BS off in the beginning and he knows that, Oh, I got a 72 hour window. Like I got to get back to her every single day. Or she's going to cut me off. You set a standard for how you want people to treat you. Once you set that standard, the men that are consistent, they're going to be consistent because that's all they know to be. The ones that are inconsistent, that's what they are. But for me, when I ask you, like, are you on crack? You're going to look at me kind of crazy, right? You're going to be like, what? So that's your indication. And I tell you that in the initial conversation. So, you know, don't go ghost on me because I'm going to be looking at you crazy. Like, what happened? And that's crackhead. that's a wrap for me. Crackhead. 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 You, you who else disappears? Who, I'm a crackhead. Who disappears for three days and don't show up and nobody knows where they are? 
I mean, you make a point. You got a valid point. I'm just laughing because now I feel like I feel like I, I think one of our sisters could be texting somebody right now. Like, so you on crack? Is that what you on, sir? You, you on crack? I haven't heard from you in 72 hours. And it's going to make them do what? They're going to laugh, but they're going to think about it. Yeah. Because if you're inconsistent, you know, and that's one of the biggest things for me. If you're inconsistent, I don't know if you're dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't I don't know if something happened to you. I don't know if I should be looking for you, putting the APB out. I'm just lost. And I think that as women, you cannot, men too. I think men deal with some really, really trifling women these Ooh, days as well. I'm glad so you said that. I, I, I just think as people, we got to say, you know, people show you they're consistent. You're either going to show up and be your best self every single day mm-hmm. or you're not. And if a man is interested in you, if a woman is interested in you, and, and I speak for in our community, right? We're talking all relationships. We're inclusive in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Ladies, if you are in a relationship with another woman, you know, I talk about this on my show. It's the same thing. If you don't talk to that heifer for three days, what you waiting <laughs> on? Is she on crack? Like, it's not a gender thing for me. Yeah, I just yeah. speak from a perspective of a woman who's dated males, that men who are present, they're always consistent. The ones that are inconsistent, if he's inconsistent in the dating phase, he's going to be inconsistent in the relationship. He's going to be inconsistent in the marriage. He's going to be inconsistent in parenting. He is, you know, all things inconsistent. That's just who, that's a character flaw at that point. So you don't have to, you don't have to make people be consistent. People either are or they're not. So you decided to come out the commercial break throwing haymakers. That's what we're doing right now. That, that's what we're doing. We just over here throwing haymakers. Okay. Okay. I see how we call it. Brothers. Throw some back so these clips go viral, right? That's what we do in this podcast, land, right? <laughs> Throw them hits back. Let's get this going. I love this network. What I saw in commercials. Let's get it. Exactly. Exactly. So, of course, we're switching gears. We're talking about love and relationships, which we kind of was dabbling in before uh, the commercial break started. So, we already started talking about consistency. So, why do you one thing i've noticed and i'm glad you also brought the ladies into it why do you think it's easy for men to be inconsistent in these relationships though because what we talked about earlier they grew up with inconsistency they grew up in inconsistent households they grew up with inconsistent parents and these are not shots at the parents Mm -hmm. but we become what we see We are Mm -hmm. products of our environment unless we work hard, like a lot of us are doing, to change. Even some of the great things that we learn, we're like, okay, mom, I don't really want to do that that way anymore, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. if you've grown up in a household that was inconsistent, you've grown up with a dad that popped in or, you know, mom's boyfriends who popped in, Mm -hmm. we teach our kids how to be inconsistent. And for men, um, not even for men anymore, for people, right? Because we know Mm -hmm. that everybody is in these cheating cycles and situationships nowadays. Things are things are a lot different than they were 25 years ago. So if I can go lay up over at Jasmine's house today and I can go lay up at Barbara Ann's house tomorrow and I can go lay up with Jeff, who's really not my homeboy, my partner on the down low, because everybody's so intertwined in all these things now. Mm-hmm. You've learned inconsistency. You've learned not to have to. You are also flight, fight, flight. Fight or flight people. So all mm-hmm. of these things kind of come together because, well, I don't want to be bothered today. I don't want to hear her mouth. I didn't show up yesterday. I don't want to hear her. I got too busy. You learn how not to be consistent. You do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And all of those mm-hmm. things show up in who you are. And instead of letting people go, 
we allow people, we drag people along, and then we say, well, why aren't they consistent? Since they were never consistent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He never called you every day. He never took you out uh, all the time. He always took you out on the 15th of February and not the 14th of February. Now hey, don't, that, do that. don't do that. Some of us, some of us couldn't get the 14th off. Don't do that. No man. Don't don't do that. Wait a minute. Don't do that. You about to get somebody in trouble and they not even doing nothing wrong. Well, if you know his work schedule, right? If he's consistent, you know that that brother's at work. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. know what his work schedule is like. You know when it's peak season, right? Let's let's talk about everybody being accountable in these relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, for for my household. Like, I know from this time of the year until May, like, they may call him at any point in time and say, hey, I want you, you know, his weekend trip just turned into a stay till Tuesday, you know? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I know his work schedule. I know what he does for a living. So that's different. But if you, this man shows up once a week to your house, like y'all are dating and you see him once a week, he's probably not consistent. You talk to him mm -hmm. every three days. And when men are intentional, they call every day. That's one thing about men. Like when they want you, oh, they want you. And they demonstrate it's, that to you. It, it's funny you said that too. Um, because I have a real good friend, uh, three real good um women friends of mine, and we were talking because they were talking about the dating pool. And it was interesting because all three of them was like, Alan, the reason my expectations are the way they are for dating me is mainly from how their father was, but they also, there was like my male friends. They was like, Alan, you work two jobs. You do all this other stuff. You check on us all the time. Hey, just check it in, see how you're doing. She was like, you're doing all of this and we're not even dating you. We're just friends. Why would I not expect someone who is interested in me to do the same thing? And it's funny because I think people feel, I feel like, Men feel like it puts pressure on them mm -hmm. when they have to step up. Because I, especially in today's today's generation, um, it's been more of a relaxed approach to dating. Um, a lot of men and fellas, I'm not knocking y'all. The ladies are coming calling for you. I mean, more power to you. But I do, have noticed that men have become used to women approaching them now. And now I can pick and choose. And like you said, mm -hmm. I'll deal with Shirley tonight. I'll deal with Mary next week. I'll deal with Andy on the next day. I don't really have to do much work because you're coming over here and you're chasing me. Mm -hmm. And actually, I, we, we got, got a couple some questions. Um, okay, so why are some women, oh, why are some women okay with being a side piece? I think we need to switch that to men and women because these fellas over here have no problem being a side piece. Okay, y'all ready? So women are side pieces for multiple reasons, okay? One of the reasons that women choose to be a side piece is because she is inconsistent and doesn't want to be bothered, right? We have to realize that at some point for some women, because I used to be that woman, I don't want you. Like you said, I'm busy. I have other things to do. I don't want anybody to, I don't need you to want me to be there and available to you. Mm -hmm. I need you to do what I enjoy doing with you on my terms. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's one reason that women become a side piece. The other reason is women, as you said, they like to chase these men. So if a woman wants a man, she is sometimes willing to do whatever is required to have even just a little piece 
of him. Mm -hmm. Just a little piece of him will satisfy her needs and her desires or male's needs and desires because men are willing to be side pieces too. They want that woman, but they got their own thing going on or she has a boyfriend. So when you care about people, people are willing to bend what they would have as expectations a lot of times. They may not tell everybody they did it and take what they can get at that time, what's available. And the third reason is people think that what's going on in that relationship is what they going to get when he finally leaves her <laughs> or he leaves him or, you know, or the male leaves his girlfriend. And they think, okay, this is what I'm going to get. So I'm going to hang in here, hang in here, hang in here. Because a lot of times, you know, I women sometimes don't know that these men are married, you know, and people don't ask. That's another question. If you don't ask if a person is married or in a relationship or do you live with someone, you know, are you and your baby mama broke up, but you still sleeping on the couch? You know, <laughs> we don't ask the right questions when it comes to relationships. So we wind up being the side piece or a situationship which is the show that I host on Monday nights. Like these are real deal issues that occur all the time. So mm -hmm. people are side pieces for those three reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, okay. Uh, Steven Rule, let's see. Why isn't the woman, why isn't the women holding the men accountable? I mean, if you don't want inconsistency, then don't allow it. He's not consistent. Then a part of it, is because she allows it. She saw it too. And that's what I just stated. She saw mm -hmm. inconsistency. She doesn't know that a man is supposed to be there all the time because her daddy showed up when he wanted to. Mm -hmm. We, we, as you said, if you don't know that people are supposed to be present, for me, one of my biggest things is to be present. So if you're not present, I'm not interested. As you said, my homeboys, my male cousins, you know, I'm surrounded by a pack of them like, if I call, they're coming. That's mm -hmm. what I know. I know men to be consistent in my life. I won't tolerate an inconsistent man. I never have. Mm -hmm. Anything mm -hmm. that I've dealt with that was inconsistent was a choice that I made. But I have never walked into a situation, as you said, allowing anybody to get off the hook. Because for me, to love me is to be present in my life. It is exactly. to be where I need you to be. It's to make that phone call. It is to check on my family when we're going through crisis. Right. You're you're that homeboy. It sounds like that. If yeah. the family's in crisis, if if I need you, if I need to cry, I need to see you. Mm -hmm. That's what my male friends do. That's what my male cousins do. That's what my uncles have always done. That's what my mm -hmm. father has always done. So, again, mm -hmm. I got a 72 hour rule. Sir, if I haven't talked to you in 72 hours, baby, we don't go together no more. I don't I care what it was. Mm -hmm. We're done because you're inconsistent. Yeah. And, and you're not that busy. <laughs> exactly and fellas if it's 72 hours you won't crack so you won't crack uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and then i see steven no go ahead go ahead Candy. no no i was just laughing go ahead <laughs> i see steven say you shouldn't have to ask though right you are absolutely correct um now i do say the biggest thing is we do need to communicate what we are expecting but you should not have to beg and plead for someone to be consistent um one thing i had started learning in the dating game is you need to be a hundred percent upfront um, of what you are expecting. Um, and you also need to ask them what they are expecting. And like you said, sometimes we're not going to ask certain questions because we don't want to get that answer. Some people are not going to ask if you married because they don't want to get that answer. They want to, they feel like if they don't know, it's not their fault if something happens. It's just like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know they was married. Um, but I think with consistency, 
you should not have to beg, plead, and ask for that. Like once, if that person for the ladies, that fella steps up to you and throwing his little game or whatever, you should be real quick to be like, I expect consistent behavior. Same for the fellas. The ladies come up to you trying to talk, especially if you know what you're looking for. You're not trying to play games. You need to let them know. Because um, like you said earlier, uh, Candy, it's on both sides of the spectrum, men and women. Because when I say women to throw some game on you and you'll be sitting there talking about how I get caught up. Um, so it, it it's not just the fellas spitting games. The sisters. My brother out here with a whole baby in these streets. The whole girl that don't even work. <laughs> like, yo, it, it makes no sense. I didn't seen it because people people present the image that they want you to see. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, those questions, those those questions, y'all, y'all gotta ask the right questions. And if you want to know, ask us, you know, ask us right here what you should be asking so mm-hmm. we can do a part two because we'll answer it. We'll tell you what you should be asking. Exactly, exactly. And I see more Maurice said nowadays people have too many options or choices, but most either don't know what they're what they honestly want, or if they do, they don't want to voice it for fear of looking like a freak or shady. LOL. Laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. Nah, you you hit you hit the nail on the head. And it's interesting as you say that since we're so, switching over to social influence. Um and for you, Candy, how do you feel? And and we're gonna kind of get a little personal in the last last 10 minutes. How, <laughs> how do you feel like social influences affected you in the dating aspect? Um when it comes to dating and relationships with social influences? I think we had less. I think I'm still kind of in that era where everything that we got was still in the magazines or entertainment tonight. Mm -hmm. inside edition you know we weren't as focused like when i first started dating at 18 and 19 Mm -hmm. i wasn't as you know outside influencers didn't factor in for me like that so uh what i saw was i come like i said i was fortunate enough to come from grandparents both Mm -hmm. sets of grandparents were married my parents met in college you know my dad is the youngest of four you know youngest of eight youngest boy of four and three of my four uncles had met their wives at college. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I'm an HBCU girl by birth. My parents were, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Purview and find my husband. Like, that was like kind of in my mind. And then mm-hmm. as I got on college campus, back to what Marie said, there were so many options. I was like, I may not find my husband here, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't like I had to do anything or, you know, mm-hmm. Even in my family, I I watched cousins get married, you know, those ones that got pregnant um, Mm -hmm. or got somebody pregnant and the people were rushing them to the altar. So I knew I wasn't, you know, from the Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get pregnant. I made up my mind. I wasn't getting pregnant because they wasn't making me get married. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have my more was that household upbringing. I didn't I don't feel like I had a lot of that. And as adults, you know, we read Jaden will be like. You know, we want black love to win. I see Beyonce and Jay-Z, like, I'm rooting for black love. But their lives never had any influence on what I was doing in the relationship aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as we get older and we're learning about love languages and mm-hmm. we're learning about um, polyamory, that's one of the things that that's, I... That's becoming a big thing now. We're learning about freedoms and learning as a as a independent, college-educated... You know, we, at one point we were on the independent thing. Mm-hmm. How to how to have freedom and not to be restricted based on what we were told societally that we were supposed to do. So I think True. those were my biggest influences that as a woman that's educated, I educated myself on who I wanted to be 
and not what people told me to be in relationships. But I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not out here going, oh, I want to be like Moneybag and Ari. Like, <laughs> for those, that's the, <laughs> for that's those who have been with me since last year, everyone pretty much knows how I feel when it comes to relationship and social media. I think it's absolutely trash how people have allowed social media to influence them. I'm one of the biggest people. Um, and I think I got that from my parents as well. My dad was big on, I'm not about to sit here and let somebody that I don't know tell me how am I supposed to be walking in my relationship. Um, my dad was like, I'm not going to be sitting here listening to some, no billionaire. Talking about, you should be sitting here getting your wife a Rolls Royce every three years. Because, sir, I don't have Rolls Royce money. money. <laughs> like, sir, like, <laughs> I don't have that. I don't have that. So I'm not going to set myself up for that failure. And it's so interesting because I look at the way this generation is affected through social media. Um, when you see people are literally like, oh, if, if she doesn't post you, something's wrong. If he doesn't post you, something's wrong. If he's not sitting here showing all this stuff, something's wrong. And you literally have people that are struggling. And I think this is also why there's a lot of people that are tended to stay single because now you're struggling because it's like, if I do date, I am being forced to get out of my comfort zone because I have to match, make you feel good based on what social media is saying. And social media has no control over my life. Like I can sit here right now and do all this stuff on social media and we still may not work out. No. And social media, y'all, is fake. Most people, like one of the things that I try to do because I understand that our social platforms do have influence because, you know, you're all influencers, whether we know it or not. I don't post filters. If you go to my Instagram page, if you're looking at me now with my natural hair versus... Like I, I have the same face. This is my face. This is my nose. These lips belong to me. I don't have feelers. Like y'all, this is fake. Y'all, like they're all selling y'all hot tea and Birkin bags. Y'all, you can only buy so many Birkin bags a year. You don't have $10,000. Okay. If you're not dating a millionaire, baby, you are never getting a Birkin. Mm-hmm. Snap back into reality. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a bitly. You're not buying him a bitly. Let's look at, you know, maybe a, a, a expedition. Maybe you're going to get to expedition money. Maybe some of you are going to get to Range Rover Land Rover money. But mm-hmm. let's be realistic and understand that social media is for it's for show. Yes. For most people, it's for show. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So you're basing your relationship on pictures that you see on Instagram. You created a vision board off of somebody else's fake vision. That part. That part. You know, these rappers, if you're going off of these rappers, I can't even think of the one that got engaged like a few weeks ago. Like, I was like, sis, he got seven kids. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) these dudes out here, money, these money bagging, all of them, y'all, like they they got like seven, seven kids. Do you want to be baby mama number eight? Do you want to have seven other kids at your house during Christmas. That's a whole lot of gifts to wrap. A lot of gifts. You you see what I'm saying? And and they're dysfunctional because they haven't addressed childhood trauma. They're dysfunctional because they don't, they're inconsistent. They're dysfunctional because as Maurice said, they have options and they, they're over here cheating on you with the next uh, only fan, the fans only girl today. Then the baby mama from high school yesterday, and then tomorrow they didn't found a random chick on the street that didn't slid in their DMs. Mm-hmm. So you're experiencing the same thing. They're just not posting every time he gets caught cheating, or every sure. time she gets caught cheating. They just show you what they buy 
in order to, to, to fix the problem. They throw money at the problem. And that's mm-hmm. all that you see. They show you what looks good. They don't exactly. show you the problems in the relationship. Exactly, exactly. Um, question we got, why do people allow the social image to keep them in toxic and dangerous relationships? Because they see toxic and dangerous relationships online. <laughs> we we see, you know, Khloe Kardashian, right? Because I do gossip as well, right? <laughs> I respect what the Kardashian women do. But at the same time, they tend to like men that are a little weak, okay? And you're constantly in these situations. And I'm just giving her as an example. I'm speaking to the situation, not on Chloe, because I don't know you, sis. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is this is not Tristan's first time being inappropriate. Tristan mm-hmm. continues to be inappropriate based mm-hmm. on whatever it is that you guys have. And then mm-hmm. he wants to pretend like he's the victim afterwards. Mm-hmm. He wants to file lawsuits and say, oh, I don't want to be the dad to the to the kid. And we go that inconsistency because your dad is Tristan Thompson, who's a professional basketball player, who's publicly said he's not going to claim you. Mm-hmm. So, sis, why are you saying? That's where the reason people say, well, they forgave. She forgave her man. Take your man back. Don't let nobody else have your man. Take your girl back. Y'all. It's gonna the cycle is only gonna continue and it doesn't get better. A lot of mm-hmm. time it gets worse, but you have to identify that it is toxic. Exactly, and it's it's funny you said that because I remember um, when Offset and Cardi came out about he did his thing, and then when she sat there and got him that money for his birthday, like I'm looking like I'm always big on like seeing people's reactions to things happening. So I'm looking, I'm seeing comments talking about girl, that's what you do. This is true love. You stick it until you make it work. And I'm like, uh, no, no, sir. No, ma'am. A- absolutely not. Um, but I think also, like you said, the issue is if you're surrounded in an environment where everyone is accepting that kind of behavior, to you, it's going to be normal that, oh, men do cheat. Oh, so-and-so does do this. When that's actually not the norm, it's just normal because of the circle that you are surrounded with. Let's see. Man, everyone wants to talk now as we're getting ready to get to the end of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maurice said, let's see. How did you learn to separate your feelings from your mind and who or or why you're attracted to someone? A.K.A. how do you separate a crush versus actually long-term love? Reality. Okay. Um, Truth moment. On these platforms, we have to be vulnerable and honest. I have been in a toxic relationship. I mean, I left because it was going to be, there was three options for me at that time. Death, jail, um, or, you know, being murdered. That That's how I felt in my spirit at that time. So sometimes love is not enough to keep you there. You have to understand who you are. And you have to understand where it is that you need to go. And one of the things that my grandmother told me at that time, a lot of things that they didn't even know was going on, but right before she got ill, she said, I'm going to have to stay alive and work because that man ain't going to work. And that's one of the things that she said. And I thought about it, like, here we are engaged, about to be married. And this is what my grandma said. Nobody likes him. Friends, homeboys, homegirls, Mama, daddy, sister, brother, nobody is really a fan. And so I had to learn how to grow in myself and understand what I've been taught. You know, we we have to understand that sometimes when we walk away from people, 
that is not the best you can do. Sometimes you're holding on and blocking your blessing. Um, you, you have to walk away. You know when it's not good for you. You know when it's not healthy for you. You know when your behavior is changing. You feel it. You see it in everybody around you. Let me tell you, male or female, everybody around you warns you of destruction before destruction arrives. Mm-hmm. You have to be big enough to say, this hurts. You got to get help sometimes. You got to let your friends and your family talk you through. You got to go back to your mama's house sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, what do you want for yourself? Do you Is this what you want? If he's cheating on you before he marries you, he's going to probably cheat on you after he marries you. If he's beating your head in before he marries you, he's going to beat your head in after he marries you. So it's about praying to have whoever you believe in, meditating, cleansing your spirit, and understanding, am I winning in this situation? And is this the life that I want to create for myself? Or is this a situation that's going to have me stuck and I'm going to hate this person anyway? That's how you separate reality and your emotions from, you know, staying in situations that aren't good for you. And Stephen made a good point. But as you stated, if, if folks nowadays aren't growing up in a household household like you did, then social media is what people look at to grow, which is actually completely correct. Um, and I think once again, like we were talking earlier, Candy, it's very important to have a male and a woman figure in your life growing up because I think it, it helps with that buffer um, because you can you can see reality from fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, when it comes to social media, a whole lot of that is fiction. A whole lot of that is fiction. And it's just sad because we live in a society where you want to get the fastest car. You want to get the hottest girl. You want to get the bigger jet. Like you're, you're literally trying to keep up with the Joneses mm-hmm. in social media. And what ends up happening is either him or her is going to get their heart broken. And then that's when that toxic nature comes in that now we're saying all men are this, all mm-hmm. women are that because every, you don't, I've had a friend say this to me, you don't understand Alan. every girl I get with wants to use me. And then I'm like, bruh, every time I see you post up on Facebook, you at a club somewhere, you at a strip pl- strip place, you doing this. Like, bruh, you just be trying to throw money to get love. So all you're going to get is the woman that wants your money. So they're going to fake like they love you to get mm-hmm. your money. Then once they're done, they're going to go about their business. And now you upset. And now you're talking about, I'm not going to let no woman do this when they get with me. And now, God forbid, because I've seen this happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jetsons. You're right, Morris. Now they're trying to keep up with the Jetsons. And God forbid you have that mindset and then you actually get a young man or young woman who was raised correctly on how to love. But because you are damaged, you're mm-hmm. going to come and damage that uh, man or woman. You're not going to work out. You're going to send them out. Now they're damaged and they're going to damage somebody else. And it's a freaking cycle that goes over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over again. People are so quick to say whatever happened to the nice guy or the nice girl. I can guarantee you somewhere in a relationship, they came across somebody who was hurt and they gave all they could to them because that's how they was raised, that you give your best so it can be reciprocated to you. And that person got burnt. And mm-hmm. once they got burnt and went their separate way, they had to pick up the pieces. And nine times what happened, that person who got hurt, wants to hurt the next person. Mm-hmm. The next person that get hurt wants to hurt the next person. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again. You're exactly right. 
We also have people like Nana, Big Mom, and TikTok telling us to stick by your man. Yep, you are absolutely correct. You are absolutely and, and that correct. goes that goes right back to what you said, right? Buffers. And as social influencers, guys, we are responsible for being responsible on our platforms. So please understand that some of these new curators and creators, they're not journalists by trade. That is my shade because I am a, by trade, I am a journalist. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> there are certain things that we can't do. There are th- certain things that we can't say. We are legally responsible to communicate information that's facts, that's facts. Okay, and if you're listening to old school women, and that's what I said about that growth, um, education, where where women that are educated, and I know black men hate to hear that a lot of times, but there is that the reason why that divider has gone up with us because we understand that Big Mama sometimes stayed with Big Papa who had kids across town, and I'm not willing to deal with my husband having outside kids across town. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to deal with my husband having a girlfriend who lives two doors down from me. Mm -hmm. So we have to create boundaries. We have to, as you stated, you have to set standards in the beginning of what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not willing to tolerate. And then those conversations come up of sticking by your man. Well, what did your man do? And how many times has your man done this? How many times has your woman done this? Is this a mistake or is this their behavior patterns? Mm -hmm. So we also need to go to counseling. We also need to play a little closer attention to um, educational pieces that are teaching us about self-growth growth and development. And in our co- culture and community, we have a tendency not to want to get the things that we need to get, but we'll get the information from TikTok. And everybody is sick of Will and Jada now that the media is not giving you the stories away, Jada and Will. Jada and Will are coming out now telling you guys, we were never perfect. This was an image that Will constructed. We were all doing damage. And we've mm-hmm. learned now that we're going to have a partnership. You also mm-hmm. need to identify what are your marriage goals. Marriage for everybody is not going to look the same. It's not going to look the same. And we have to start understanding what grandma did in her marriage. Your marriage probably shouldn't look like that because grandma's marriage probably happened. Uh, my grandparents probably got married in like 40, you know, mm-hmm. 19. Yeah. <laughs> they got yeah. married in the 40s. Mm-hmm. My marriage is not going to look like my grandparents did. And from my understanding, my grandfathers were good guys. Like, you're not going to hear anything bad about them. But I, I don't want the marriage that my grandmothers had from the 40s. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Even as much, my parents were together before my dad passed uh, 38 years. Um, and, I, and I tell everybody, they did some good things that we saw. And they did some things that weren't that good. Um, I've always told people, you pick the pieces that you want to take, but you don't base everything off of that. Nope. The good stuff they did or how they raised us, I want to incorporate that. There's some questionable stuff they did raise us. I know I'm not going to incorporate that. Me too. Um, you got to know to take take the pieces. I never forget my dad. Had, we were talking one day and my dad was like, I understand when we have grandkids, I can't yell and whoop them like I was doing you. when Because different generation, everything is different. I said, I'm glad you understand that assignment, sir, because you had one time to lay your hands on my child and you may not see your grandson no more. So, like, you have to take the good out of what you've seen, but make sure you're not bringing the bad with it. Because you have some people quick to say, Mama Jean was everything I needed. I just took everything she needed. And Mama Jean was crazier than a bed bug. Like, no. But you are too now. Because you didn't realize that you took her personality with you, right? You Mm -hmm. need to, and I'm a big, you you need to unlearn. Like, me and my mom last week, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to argue with you. I was like, no. 
it's mm-hmm. not happening. You're out of touch with reality. Like we, because we can't do those things anymore. You know, I, I am an educator and I am a coach. If I would talk to my kids the way some of my coaches talk to me, I would be unemployed <laughs> and on the news probably. Okay. I would absolutely be unemployed. I probably would have had to drop a parent by now because the, the we just can't do it anymore. So I can't mm-hmm. take everything. I can't be who my mother is. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. be who my father is. We also have to create our own identities. And that's also something that I think culturally we struggle with because we, as you said, we don't understand how to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Perry is a great example of someone who created something that he saw. Mm-hmm. You know, he he saw Madia. I had a Madia. You know, mm-hmm. both of my grandmas were pieces of that Madia. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be Madia, y'all. And, and that's all that I say. Like, <laughs> we take on these, oh, when I get old, I'm going to cuss people out and I'm going to sit with my shotgun. Like, y'all, we've learned these things. Mm-hmm. And now we just, we ask you to unlearn them because they're not going to work with us in 2022. And as I told my mom, if we take some of the things that we were taught at home to work, a lot of us would be unemployed. Mm-hmm. We can't go bad on people at work. We can't mm-hmm. cuss people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't tell people off because they touch our things or get them told. We, we, we've we got to take, as you stated, pieces of it and create our own person, create mm-hmm. our own marriages. That's where we are with this. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. And, Let's see here. Um, Brie got us. How can we as Black and Latin members of the community hold ourselves accountable when it comes to our children's education? I mean, if I if I speak from my experience, I'm pretty sure me and you probably on the same page, Candy. My Both my parents had their hands in my sister and I education. Um, whether it was being at PTA meetings, whether it was parent-teacher conferences, Anything they knew that would require a parent to be there, one of them was going to be there. One of them, dad was going to take off if he had to because mom didn't have to work. He was going to take off and he'll be there. Um, I, I, whew. Get him. Get him. I, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to block my tongue. Because, uh, man, because that accountability word in the black and black community is like a cuss word. Like, mm-hmm. as soon as you hear accountability, people lose their freaking mind thinking you're telling them they need to cut their arm off. Um, I really feel like the way you can hold each other accountable is you you just got to sit down. And you got to have a plan. And you might need to have somebody else who will also call you out on how you are handling your children's education. Because I can't tell you, um, I've seen parents, I volunteered at the um, for the Boys and Girls Club and Big Brother, Big Sister program. And I've seen how some parents just don't, they just take their child's word for everything. Um, instead of, my dad would have been like, JR, let me see your book bag. And I used to get so offended. But but I, I he, would, he used to always tell me, I was a child too. I know the game. I know the game. Um, and I think Black parents and Latin parents have to just take that authority as I'm the parent. I'm the parent. Your education is what is important. As much as we do have entrepreneurs and those who didn't finish school who are being successful, you still need people that are educated. One thing my dad used to always tease about my sister and I and my mom he used to always laugh and talk about y'all three be mad code switches. I hear y'all answer the phone. I'm thinking I got a whole white person in the house. Then I go around the corner 
it's you, your mom, or your sister handling business on the phone. Like you need that person that can handle business. Cause I remember you have to be able to set goals with your kids when it comes to school. What do you want to be in school? In school, do you want to go to college? If not, why not? What is your game plan if you don't? Because I remember, and I feel like, and this could be if things with um, Latin families too, it used to always intrigue me when it came to Black families, we were quick to want to throw our kids in the military. And I used to always be like, why is that? Like, as soon, like, if a child says, I'm not going to college, well, you're going to the military. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe and that was my fear not- factor. Yeah. <laughs> that was my fear. Like, my mom, my mom told my mom told me at four years old. She told me at four years old, your expected date of graduation is May two thousand. Okay, I just told y'all how old I was. I was four when I started kindergarten, mm-hmm. and as I got older, I would tell her, I said, "Oh, I get an extra year because I'm not going to be eighteen. No, ma'am, your expected date of graduation is May two thousand. You going to the military? You going to college? But you going up out of here, <laughs> and." My grandma was never going to let me go to the military now that I'm an adult. And I realized that my grandma was so against the military. It was mm, never okay. going to happen. But as you said, my mom threatened me like, you're going to college or you're going to the military. And everybody doesn't need the military. Some of our kids need trades. Some of our kids need to cut hair. Some of our kids need to go be plumbers and electricians and construction workers and interior design. So for me, I, I'm like with you. We we grew up for those of us who were fortunate enough to grow up in those homes. I'm forever thankful. I am forever thankful for the support. And as you said, we had to sit at the table and do our homework. There were no questions. But I can tell you my one issue with the the Latinx and the black community, we need to stop buying Jordan tennis shoes and invest in tutoring. I can tell you where the problem lies. I can see kids. And I work in alternative school this year. Last year, I was in first grade. There's no reason that your child should have on brand new Jordan tennis shoes and they're in alternative school. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got to get some boundaries. Your kid cannot read. Your kid do, does not know phonics. If your kid is not reading by first grade. Let me tell you something. Your kid is already behind. And that prison, that prison, the pipeline, prison pipeline, mm-hmm. it starts with education. So if you wouldn't invest that 150 in those tennis shoes and you pay for a tutor, that's the difference in our kids' education. Homework has to be done at home. Mm-hmm. Your kids have to know how to spell their name going into kindergarten. That is not the school's job anymore. Your yep. kids should know how to count. They should know their ABCs. There's leapfrog. Buy your kid leapfrog from Christmas and not PS5. There's no reason that a five-year-old has a PS5. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that a five-year-old has an iPad. So it's not that we're judging you. We're looking at reality of what's most important and what's going to put your kid on a fast track for quality education. Mm-hmm. Your kids should mm-hmm. not be watching twerking videos on TikTok. Your kids should be centered on, you know, getting their education. You should, there's videos on YouTube. You don't even have to pay for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Your kids should be on ABCs. There's phonics on YouTube. Everything that your kid knows to get ready for kindergarten and first grade, they can learn on YouTube. You know, and I live in the state of Texas. Your kids technically don't have to go to school until they're six. Mm. They don't have to go to kindergarten. People don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you're sending your kid to kindergarten, they need to know their name. They they need to know that they, their name is, you know, Shaniqua and not Sean. They need to be able to write Shaniqua on the paper. 
So we mm-hmm. also may want to be mindful that when you come home and you're exhausted, like the rest of us, baby Shaniqua needs to learn how to write her name. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the length of her name. If you sit down and work with her every day, I guarantee you she'll learn it. You preach. If you re- you work with her reading, she'll read. Buy books. Stop buying sneakers. Buy books. Stop buying polo. Your kids should have a foundation. You should read to them every single night from the time your kids are in the womb. You produce now, a different That is with something your kids. you do not see as much anymore. Um, and I see Bree has said a lot of parents use devices to make up for their own lack of growing, um, growing up in comp- overcompensation. And I see that in my family with cousins and stuff on how they handle their kids. Um, a lot of people use devices as a babysitting tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a family member right now. Her daughter can run circles around that entire family when it comes to social me- uh, social media and electronics, but is struggling in school. Mm-hmm. Your child can tell smart. you how- exactly, exactly. She knows how to sit there and hook up your entire smart house to everything in there, but she's struggling reading. She's struggling doing math. She's struggling with with stuff that should be easy for her at that age. Um, I think kids also need to learn about balancing life, which I've had to learn as I was growing up. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I can say this from experience, like my parents. The motto. Oh, God, what is it? Um, Play um, work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. And the Newman household, that was a real thing. Monday through Friday. Your butts was your butt was in the books. Your butts was in the books. I I used to, and I'm I'm grateful for it now because I used to be upset. We could only watch one hour of television television Monday through Thursday. Friday night, you can watch two hours, but it had to be an hour of educational and an hour of leisure. Then Saturday was your playtime. After they checked that your schoolwork was accurate and homework was complete. And even then, my dad made, I end up being one of that ch- one of the kids that, to me, if you don't take me to the library, I thought I was in trouble because I had learned to love the library. Because my dad, every summer, would, mm-hmm. we would have to get five books a week. And after each book, we had to write an essay explaining in detail what the plot was, how it ended, who was the antagonist, who was the protagonist, what... And you're talking about you're we're in fourth, fifth, sixth, mm-hmm. seventh, eighth grade doing mm-hmm. this. And we thought they were crazy. We we thought like I don't even think we ever watched TV during the week where we chose what we watched on TV. We watched the local news at five o'clock. We watched <laughs> Dan Rather at 5:30. At six o'clock, your homework should be pretty much done at that point. We watch TV as a family. We watch the Cosby show. We mm-hmm. believed that the Cosby show was real because we were living in the Cosby show like mm-hmm. reality, right? Mm-hmm. My parents were encouraging it. I love a different world. I love a different world. So my mom was, she would go buy the books. Those books weren't at the Dollar Tree then. Mm-hmm. There, you know, we had the math books to be advanced. My dad, let me brag on dad for a moment, as you said, like your parents. I go to the black bookstores because of my father. My father made sure we had library cards. And in my mm-hmm. hometown, they're getting ready to open a new library. And I'm going to be there when they cut the ribbon because okay. I remember being a small girl and he took us to the library. Like that was mm-hmm. our thing. And mm-hmm. as I got older, he introduced me to black authors in the black bookstores. 
But my father was a reader. That's how he got out of small town Texas. And he knew he was going to do different. Books allow your kids to have an imagination. It allows them to soar. It gives them, you know, even with the, the books that we consider classics, it teaches you about Greece. It teaches you about what happened before your time, cities mm -hmm. to go visit. So it's a, an adventure that takes place in these books. And I promise mm -hmm. y'all, it is a lot cheaper to buy your kid a $7 book than a $50 video game. Mm -hmm. And where he you, said, mm -hmm. Maurice no, talked ahead, about balance. Mm -hmm. Maurice talked about balance. That is the balance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we read. Yeah, we were smart. We watched the news in my house. You know, I'm also a three-sport athlete and I can go with anybody any mail you want to put in front of me when it comes to sports, I can walk you down. So there was there was plenty of balance in my house mm -hmm. with education, but mm -hmm. we also watched NFL's greatest hits and we watched football on Sunday and I played multiple sports. Like there's 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of time for you to educate your kids. As you say, there's a whole weekend for your kids to play hard, to mm -hmm. watch cartoons, to mm -hmm. explore the childlike aspect. But y'all, that education is something that my friend told me, he said, as a black man, he got his PhD because no one can take that from him. Mm -hmm. That's what education does. It mm -hmm. gives us power to communicate on a different level. It gives us power to fight injustices. It gives us power to make sure that we can go in those classrooms and tell the teacher, no, my kid doesn't belong in this class. Mm -hmm. My Little Johnny is AP and you need to test him, but you're not going to stick my kid in a class and leave them beside, you know, by the wayside and say, oh, they're not smart enough. And That's what education does. Exactly. And Maurice with the Discovery Channel, that ended up being our cheat sheet because I love animals, too. Um, what ended up increasing our television time during the week is I fell in love with Animal Planet when Animal Planet was legit Animal Planet. OK, so when that came on and my father realized how engrossed I was in animals, that increased our television time because I would sit there and watch Animal Planet all day and be as content as anybody could be, because I want, because my dream at that time, I wanted to be a marine biologist. So my dad was getting all information on my marine biology, like all of that stuff. All, so you that, smart, smart. Yeah, I have my moments. <laughs> I have my moments. You smart, smart. I love it. <laughs> so that I was a big, it. that was a big thing for me. So um, no, that that was super, super huge, super, but it super goes, huge. you know what all of this ties back into what we're coming to, like full circle? It's all about how we grew up in our households. Mm -hmm. it, it absolutely makes a difference, you know. And again, my my father, you know, to to brag on black fathers, my black my black father worked in aerospace. He was an aerospace engineer. So the the level of conversation in my house um, was totally different. And like I said, I feel grateful and blessed. And so what we're trying to do, and I love the fact that you guys are trying to bridge the communication gap. What we're telling you guys is. Some of us had a head start. Mm -hmm. So now we're giving you the cheat sheets mm -hmm. to give your kids a head start. I also mm -hmm. come from educated grandparents. My grandparents are college educated. Sure. It's a whole different ball game. So I don't expect everybody to understand that, but my mom's parents were teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandma even decided later in life after her grandma died, because black people make you be things. She decided she didn't want to be a, she didn't want to be a teacher. My grandma decided she wanted to be a nurse. So she went back she got her LVM's license later. So in, in my home, education was just, it was what was expected. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had aunts and uncles that were born in the 40s. They all graduated from high school. So when I meet people now, they're like, oh, well, my parents didn't graduate from high school. My grandparents could all read and write. Mm -hmm. 
My granddaddy was born in 1902, y'all. So the standard of expectations of what we can reach in our communities, mm-hmm. it changes when we get these tools. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're, we're just giving you some extra tools to add to your arsenal. Maybe you didn't think about it. Go buy your kids some books. Get on Amazon. For their birthday, instead of buying toys, ask people to donate books. Build your kids' library up. You know, I'm not saying be overboard like me, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, people are like, stop buying books. But I I am saying for a lot of kids, you know, my niece is a year old. And one of the things that I've done since before she got here is that my parents have to read to her. Like, it's a thing. I'm like, did y'all read to your grandkids? Read to your grand, you know, I tell my dad, read to your granddaughter. And so that's my way of trying to introduce her, who is a mm-hmm. part of the Latinx community and the black community mm-hmm. of understanding early that her education is the foundation for everything else that she's going to do. Mm-hmm. Education mm-hmm. doesn't have to be formal all the time. Exactly. You were watching the animal planet. You were getting educated mm-hmm. on animals. That was stuff that they couldn't teach you at school. Mm-hmm. But your mind was open to learning. And And speaking of that, People don't realize too, reading and stuff like that opens up your imagination. Um, and that that's a big thing. Like, yeah, you have video games and stuff like that, but it's not to me personally, it's not challenging your mind the way it would if you're reading a book. Um, if you're watching Animal Planet, because mm-hmm. you're literally putting yourself in that place of me doing that, me diving, me coming up. I remember I used to tell my dad all the time, like, did you know that we could only go this far in the ocean and they're trying to find other ways to get there? And if I become a marine, marine biologist, I'm going to figure out how to get d- deeper than anybody. Like when I don't think people understand how proud parents are when you're hearing your child talk about how they want to make a positive impact in the world, how they want to do this because no one else has done this and people have tried it and they haven't been able to do it there. Even when it comes to education, I remember um, they had put me, they tried to put me on Ritalin um, when um, I was little. And my mom talked about how my dad had a whole fit and told them, you are not putting my child on Ritalin just because he processes something different than you. He said, you're not about to do that. He said, if I need to sit there and stay up with them all night so he can learn, he will. They had put me at that time. We called it like we called the LD class, learning disability class. Mm -hmm. They had put me in one of those classes when we was living in California. The teacher had a parent uh, teacher conference with my parents and asked my dad, why is Alan in this class? He said, Alan doesn't need to be in this class. He said, we tech, we tested Alan for him to be in the fourth grade. He's on an eighth grade level when it comes to reading. So I'm confused why the other school had him in here. And my dad was like, I told them people, they, I'm going to be nice on social media because oh, I, don't daddy, offend, go. I don't want to offend none of our mm-hmm. Caucasian folks that are mm-hmm. listening. He has some choice words mm-hmm. about those teachers at the other school. And that also, when we talk about, do we receive adequate and equal education? Sometimes we can't always take what the school is saying as facts. You need to go in there and see what is actually being said, what is being done, and also know how your child learns. Mm-hmm. My, my mom laughed because my from kindergarten, we was on a military base. So from kindergarten to the fifth grade, every teacher would tell my mom, Alan will finish his work. He has to wait for everybody else to finish. Alan will crawl on the floor and start coloring. I let him sit under the desk and do what he got to do because he finished his work. Because she took the effort, and it was a black, it was a black teacher. That's also something that's, that's very difference. important, having representation in schools. 
because she understood Allen's not being problematic. Allen's jittery because he finished mm-hmm. his work. His work is correct. He's trying to move on. for everybody else to finish mm-hmm. theirs. So he has to entertain himself until they're done. And that's why you have to have parents that come in there. And this is how my child learns. This is how my child acts. My mom, everybody, and it infuriated me, but I love it now. When we moved to North Carolina, my mom was over the parent teacher um, mm. at school. Everybody knew that lady what her Jerry curl when she came in there. If Alan act up, let Martha Newman know. Because if Martha Newman know, Alan Senior about to find out, and Alan about to be in a whole world of hurt. And I used to be upset because all the other kids' parents weren't coming to those events and stuff like that. But then years later, those same kids, we talk now and they talked about how because their parent wasn't there, how it affected them growing up. How the reason I was getting picked on in school is because it wasn't that they didn't like me. They were jealous because of the interaction that they would get. My dad would come off of work to come and celebrate. My mom will come to see me to celebrate something, to be a part of something. Yes, Jerry Curl, Maurice. That sister kept that Jerry Curl for 24 years. I'm glad she got rid of it. Uh, (laughs) And people don't realize when you have an active, not just one active parent, you have two active parents that are actively invested in your child's um, education to be a better person, to be able to be successful with their integration to society. For the black community, it is a huge, huge deal. And I think people don't understand. That's why when black people graduate from college, black families are excited. Like we about to act a whole fool because you done sat there and graduated. Especially my sister. I was the first one in the family to go to college. Okay. My sister is the first one that finished. And Mm -hmm. then she's the first one that got a double master's. So okay. when she got hers, it was a huge, huge deal. Such a deal that I'm going back to school this spring. Because I told my sister, people don't understand. I tell her this all the time. Even though we're six years apart, I'm the oldest. She is my biggest inspiration. Okay. And I tell people all, I tell that every time I talk to them, I was like, I pray. I have children. I, I need a mini Patricia Newman. I need one of them to be her. Because the way she carried herself, the way she's determined what she said, the attributes that she have is things that you need in life and it's it's something to see a family member do something that people did not think was capable mm-hmm. and i was like you know if you can do it i know i can do it and oh, I, even, yeah. I said i want to go back to school so when i have kids they can see my college degree and say dad went to college he graduated i want to go to college and i want to graduate and this is what i want to do and it doesn't necessarily have to be what i want to do in life it's what you want to do in life Right. And that's, I think, a big thing when it comes to education. And before we wrap it up, the one thing I will say for the parents that are here, don't make your child do something that they don't want to do when it comes to school. Too many times when our kids are ready to go to college, we as Black parents, mm-hmm. we make them do what we see fit that they should be doing. Oh, you should be in accounting. Oh, you should be in law. An oh, engineer. An engineer. Like when people found out that I wanted to be a marine biologist, it was blowing my family members' minds because A, everyone knows people claim black people can't swim. So as soon as people was finding out that Alan was interested in being a marine biologist, well, Alan, you know, black people don't do water like that. And and I used to tell them, why I gotta be in the water like that? I wanna own the stuff to get the people that have to do it. What they gotta do with me? You better say it. 
And I think we as black individuals have to be careful not to put whatever issues we had growing up mm-hmm. onto our child. If our child sits there and says, you know what, dad, I want to be a world-class opera singer. It's not my job to tell her, well, I don't think that makes money. I don't think that's something. Let's go want. look into it now. Exactly. Let's Let's go... Let's go look into it now. The children that I raised that don't biologically belong to me, she was five. She said she wanted to go act. She has taken, she has been professionally trained, you know, and I grew up in that household. My father was an engineer. My mom went to nursing school. That's what you did in black culture to make money. You, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're an engineer, you're a lawyer. When I told my, my dad is still like this journalism thing is like, you know, he's still looking at me and my brother sideways and it's just like, you don't have to understand it. This is my path. I was not going to succeed in, in engineering. Mm-hmm. That was not going to be the best path for me. And as a teacher, I teach my kids that, that sometimes you got to knuck and buck with your parents respectfully, mm-hmm. but you have to have a voice to turn around and say, that's that's not the pathway for me. So when I hear kids say that college wasn't for them, I always tell them that major wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. You didn't figure out who it was that you are in order to get there. And as young people, I would tell you, be an advocate for yourself. Just like your story as we get out of here. I was in first grade. I never will forget. And I was in the slow class. And that's what I would tell my mom. Mom, these kids are slow. She'd be like, what do you mean? They, they, mama, they, they slow. And being that I was already a year ahead, you know, my mom, I'm her oldest child. She's going, okay, this kid is saying they slow. She don't like school. She would peep her head in the window, like you said, like your parents would. And eventually she went to the school and was like, my child says she does not belong in this class. This class is too slow. And they tested me out. And that didn't happen once. That happened twice with me in education. Twice I had to tell my mom, they just stuck me in a class. And these kids and I are not on the same level. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a year, I'm a year ahead And they are behind a year. Like Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be here. They're not here. So I say that to say with education, guys, advocate for yourself. Teach your kids how to have a voice and keep that open line of communication where they can come tell you what's going on. And as they prepare to go to college, do the research with them. Find out which schools have marine biology programs Mm -hmm. so that you can get your kid in the summer program for marine biology so that you can your kid has everything that they need to become a journalist. Mm-hmm. To, to get on TV, to become a sideline reporter for ESPN. We have the internet available to us. Let's use it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Guys, we did go over our time by 30 minutes, but Candy, Candy, before we go, I want you to let everyone know how they can follow you, how we can support you if you have any current projects going on. Um, and like I said, definitely thank you uh, for being my guest for our first season, uh, second season to start it off. Um, but before I wrap it up, Please, Candy, please let our uh, listeners and viewers know how they can follow you and where to go. Okay. So my information, my handles are perfect on the screen, guys. Season three of Situationship is returning. Um, I, it's, it's coming this month. We'll get flyers up really soon. But Situation Talk is live on Facebook and on YouTube on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. You got to come get the conversation and Alan. I got to get you on. You got great perspectives. <laughs> Let me know. I got you. Let me yeah. know. Yeah. Shawtime Media is our handle for where you can find Pull Up the Podcast. Pull Up the Podcast is returning for season four. And we will be back at the end of January 
Um, a sports podcast. We talk sports, news, and hip hop. Where my brother and I, we kick it. We we kick it. We talk about sports, news, and hip hop. We bring it all to you. He does comedy, so that's where you guys can follow me and at Champagne Lifestyle on Instagram. Go send me a friend request. I follow back. Awesome, Maurice. I definitely promise we will bring her back um, this year. We definitely will because this was an amazing, amazing, amazing take. Um, for those who are listening and our viewing. I thank you guys for being here for our first episode of season two for She Said What. Please make sure that you follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is He Said What Network. Hit that like, hit that subscription button and share. For those who are listening to the replay, I really, really hope you enjoyed it. Looking forward to next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of She Said What. You guys have an amazing week and we will talk to you next Wednesday. (laughs) 